0: Thank you, guys. Um, this feels like an appetite for worship in the room. I feel a bit like I'm intruding, but I was told to come up, so just obeying orders. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Claire. I'm part of the team here, and if I haven't met you, it'd be lovely to um, make your acquaintance. Um, we are just coming towards the end of our, our Easter series, and yeah, we looked at the resurrection of Jesus last week, and we're going to look at John 20, which is this amazing passage in the Gospels where um, it's after the resurrection, and it's kind of intriguing. You know, what's it, what was it like after the resurrection? And in fact, before we go there, what do you think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I mean, for 2,000 years, Christians have talked about the resurrection of Jesus. What do you see it as? What happened? You know, what do you believe happened? Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead, physically, spiritually? Was he kind of like a ghost or a spirit? Um, You know, what do you think he was? Because it's not totally clear, is it? And do you feel like you understand it? Do you get it? The resurrection body of Jesus, I mean, you know, uh, he could eat fish, he could walk through walls, but he was solid. And you know, there's this sort of intriguing interplay in the Gospels around, you know, what was Jesus? What was actually going on there? So I'm, I want to ask you what you think happened, and do you do you believe Jesus rose from the dead physically? So I've been um, walking a bit of a journey with a, a friend of mine who became a Christian about a year ago, or just over a year ago, or decided to be a follower of Jesus, and. She kind of tentatively started the path, and we've been meeting up during the year, and so have other people. And She's been on this amazing journey, and she is really, in her journey, she's really transformed. She has experienced peace and um, a sense of the power of God at work in her life. She's seen a few miracles happen, and they've kind of convinced her that it's all real. And uh, this is from coming from a place of absolutely no experience whatsoever of faith or, um, or knowing God at all. Um, but as she was coming up to Easter, about three or four weeks ago, she was doing a little Bible study with some friends and they were reading the story of the gospel as Jesus came towards the end of his life and then went to the cross and then the resurrection. And, and um, <clears throat> she wrote to me after having read about the resurrection and she just said, what is going on I cannot believe that you all think Jesus rose from the dead physically I had no idea that you all thought that and I've been going along with this illogical story for so long all this year and it has completely thrown me you believe he rose from the dead physically? What? And she kept, and we had a little email interchange, and I know she was talking to her other friends as well. And after a few days, she just said, you know what, I've relied on logic all my life. It's got me through some really hard times, and I've just about got here. And yes, I've known peace and all this sort of thing, but this is so illogical. I think it's the end of the road for me. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's just a bit of a stark email. And I just met up with her, and I just felt to say just wait <laughs> wait easter's coming just see just see what happens you don't have to try and do anything you don't have to try and sort of drum up faith to believe in something you don't believe in just just wait and see what happens and um and so she did And um, I'll tell you the the next little bit in the story in in a minute. But we we come into John 20, where the disciples have seen the resurrection of Jesus. They've seen him a few times. They've kind of had these um, interactions with him. Um, But on this occasion, this is a week later, they're um, in a locked room because they're afraid. And they don't don't know what they're waiting for, actually. (laughs) They're just there, and they're afraid, and they're locked away. And I think... Despite the resurrection of Jesus, it may well have felt like the end of the road still. Because there's something, you know, Jesus had appeared to them, but you can, this palpable fear in the little group of the disciples um, as they wait, for they know not what. And, um, And that's where we enter the story today, so we're going to read that now. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe And a week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, and then Jesus told him, because you've seen you believe, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's a brilliant passage, and it is so brilliantly described, and I don't know if you can go there in your imagination, but, um, you know, this moment where... Everyone's huddled around for fear, not knowing what happens. And then suddenly Jesus is there. So the resurrected Jesus is in the room. So he's come into the room, although the doors were locked. It seems to imply that he just suddenly is there. He's got through the door. He's got through the wall. He's just present there in his resurrection body. And yet he's got enough physicality for them to say, touch, for him to say, touch me, you know, feel these wounds in my hands and my side and stop doubting and believe and there's this kind of sense in which Jesus is trying to communicate something to these early disciples you know you've got to get used to a new reality now you know this reality of me the physical resurrected Jesus you know you can touch me I can eat (laughs) but also I can do there's a supernatural spiritual quality this is this is the future as well. This is not just in the present. There's something future about this. And actually what we see in this passage is that Jesus gives the disciples before the church has really got going, before the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, before things start to really heat up, he gives them something that are three things that are just absolutely foundational. And they are for you and for me as well. He gives them peace and purpose and power. So we're just going to look at these three things. Let's look at peace. The first thing that Jesus says is, peace be with you, because peace is first. Now, many of us have tried to make peace with God, and we have wondered how to do that. And maybe you're on a bit of a spiritual journey here, and you're kind of wondering, am I at peace with God? How do I make peace with God? And That's something that's playing on your mind. Maybe you've been on the journey a long time, but you're aware that in yourself, you struggle with that. You're not really quite sure if you are at peace with God. And I would say that from the experience of meeting up with people for a long, long time, 30 years or so, I'd say that's a a bit of a fundamental issue that kind of dogs Christians a little bit, that we struggle. Am I fully at peace? How do I find this peace and how do I hold on to it? Uh, but peace is absolutely crucial and fundamental to your walk with God. And it's the first of the first of the first things. And it comes before your purpose and it comes before being given the power of God. And many people look in their purpose to find peace and they feel like, if I just knew what God was gonna t- wanting me to do, then I know I'd kind of feel better about my life. And Jesus is sec- effectively saying, no, nothing has to change Peace is the first thing. I have it, and I'm giving it to you. And have you learned to receive the peace of God? Second thing is the locked doors. We lock ourselves in in our lives when we failed, when we're full of shame, when we're full of fear, when we don't know what to do, we get locked in. And it's such a human trait, and you and I do it all the time. Little, subtle ways, big ways. We find ourselves behind locked doors, particularly when we failed. And these guys had failed badly. They'd really abandoned Jesus, let him down. It's interesting to me that he doesn't say to them, not, it's not recorded anyway. The important stuff is recorded that we need to know. It's not recorded that Jesus says, look, I know you failed by the way, but I forgive you. Now you receive my peace. He actually just says here, I give you my peace. If you forgive anyone their sins, they're forgiven. There's something really crucial about that because we often feel like our peace comes when we craft it by the way that we approach God. the Whether we're good enough at doing our prayers or saying the right kind of sorries, confessing our sins in the right sort of way. But actually no, peace is crafted by God himself and given as a gift to you. And Jesus comes into the room, the resurrected Jesus, right in the middle of failure and shame, and breathes on them and says, peace. There's nowhere Jesus can't come to. Now, if you're carrying this idea in your head that there's an area of your life which is um, so locked away from God, he cannot get there. And you're going to have to sort it out in order to really have a good relationship with God. It's just not true. Jesus can come anywhere. And some people need to hear that today, I think. And the third thing to say about peace is that God is at peace with us before we're at peace with him. The first place where peace comes is is where God carries this peace to us. He is at peace. I heard somebody say it once about seven or eight years ago. I just heard them say this phrase, God is at peace with us. And I just thought, that is a revelation (laughs) because... (laughs) We feel like we need to make peace with God. And we invite each other to make peace with God. It's a good thing to do. Did you know that God is at peace already? And when you meet him, he's fully at peace. He's at peace with you. That's why he can give you peace, even when you're still in a mess. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he actually crafted peace. He reconciled human beings to God. He is our peace. That's what Paul said. And he made peace. And peace is God's job. He makes it. He's already at peace. And when you meet him, you meet a peaceful being. And it's the first stop on your journey. And in fact, for my friend, peace was the thing she kept on saying all through the year. I just never known this kind of peace. And then she finds out that we believe this illogical idea. And she's tossing it up, trying to work out, do I walk away from this and this amazing peace, or do I have to believe this mind-bending thing that they all believe? I don't know if I believe it. But peace was costly for Jesus, but he, he went and got it so that when you meet him, you can be at peace. And John Piper, a great preacher, um, said this about peace. Peace is foundational. If we don't have peace with God, We will take his other gifts and use them to try and make peace, and it never works. Peace is first, and it is free. Everything else is the effect of peace, not the cause. It is a fruit. Peace is the root. Peace comes first. And if you are wondering or struggling to find peace in your life, one of the things you need to learn how to do, and we need to teach each other how to do, is to posture ourselves to to receive the peace of God without thinking we do anything to earn it. It's a gift to us. And from that place, the next steps follow. And so purpose is the next thing. So Jesus just quietly commissions them, receive my peace. Now, if you go and forgive people their sins, they'll be forgiven. I'm sending you out with the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you and so the followers of Jesus are marked by peace as they go. And that is the idea that wherever you go, you are the presence of Jesus. You are his peace. You are his power, his forgiveness, his joy, his lightheartedness. Out wherever you go, you carry the presence of Jesus. So it's brilliant here from Joy and Rebecca. Both of them are the presence of Jesus. Where they went, you know, Mel, within minutes, really, of arriving on that Ukraine border, was dressing a a pressure sore. She's a nurse. Is that her purpose? No, that's some of the tools of her trade. But she is a peace-filled, carrying presence of Jesus. And she was able to use some of the things that she was doing for her job, or had had been doing for her job, but really she was carrying the peace of Jesus. And the team carried the peace of Jesus into a place of trauma. And that that same little family on Good Friday, another one of our team, Marcus, they had moved, I think, up to uh, Warsaw by then. But they they sat with that family and they worshipped Jesus together and sung together on Good Friday because we carry the presence of Jesus wherever we go and Rebecca carries the presence of Jesus when she goes into a place that is not filled with the presence of Jesus the media industry is a place of conflict and yeah it's it's a it's a place of struggle where truth is really a battleground in the place of the media but we need people don't we who know that their real purpose is not their job, but to carry Jesus and be truth and witnesses to the light of Jesus, to bring the kingdom of God on the earth. So do you know why you're here? Your purpose comes from a deep place within you. And it is more to do with your sense of being called by God to be a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus in this time frame in this earth not when you die not when we die not just inviting people to heaven but inviting people to partake of the kingdom of God here on this earth and then finally Jesus gives this gift of power And at this point it's kind of a promise of power so in the gospel of Luke which parallels this some of these same occasions Jesus says wait and, and you're going to be clothed with power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes but on this occasion Jesus says I give you my Holy Spirit and so we're given the power of God and it kind of takes its place on the foundation of peace and it's there to enact the purposes of God it's not there to prop up egos or to make people feel like they found their calling when the power starts flowing it's nothing to do with that it points always to Jesus but the power of God is something that's part of the commission of Jesus and all his followers are called to move in power and to move in miracles I think and to move in the gift of healing and if you're somebody who's not quite sure about those things I just want to challenge you encourage you to explore what it is to be called into the kingdom business of seeing people healed and set free. And that's why in this church we often do training courses and we invite you to things because we want to keep that thing that we cannot do in our own strength. I'm sure Rebecca is really good at her job, but she cannot do anything supernatural in her own strength and power. She can't convict someone of sin. She can't bring the wisdom of heaven unless the spirit of God flows in her, unless the peace of God is at home in her heart and unless she's called and she's she's enacting his purposes. And, you know, Mel was saying that she's just kept on seeing his answers to prayer. I mean, the visa thing, it's hard to portray how hard that has been. And it is a miracle <laughs> when those visas come through. You've all seen in the news how hard it is to get these visas through and how, what a long process it's been to have those processes. You know, there's something about being the presence of Jesus where you're calling on the power of God to do what humans cannot do and that is the resurrection of Jesus and it's so important that we understand that that power of Jesus comes because he is in our plane of existence he is not just in the future he is here in our material reality I don't really understand Jesus resurrection body confession um neither do you um But one thing we do understand is that he is in this plane of existence and he wants to affect it through our bodies, through our minds, through our spirits as we tune in to the power of God that we have not got naturally in ourselves. So my friend, Roz, she said to me, I'm not going to church this week because it was too confusing and I can't cope with it. But I have um, got a prophecy clinic clinic. uh, appointment I suppose I'll keep it so our prophecy clinic is something that's been running here for years over 10 years once a month on a Sunday afternoon a small team of people invite you to come and get a, a session in a prophecy clinic where you get 15 minutes and three or four people listen to God for you and tell you what they sense God is saying for you and you're invited you can find it on the website if you look on the calendar you can find a prophecy clinic and then you can look at how to book on it so anyway, she had this one booked in, and she, there my sceptical, unbelieving friend went. And she um, she wrote to me an email the next day, and she, it just said two words, mind blown. And <clears throat> what happened was when she went to the prophecy clinic, and God bless these um, men and women who've been just really honing this gift of prophecy. So the first woman said to her, I see you standing on the edge of Clevedon Lake you're hovering on the edge and the problem is is that you're trying to walk on water and you feel like you're supposed to and you haven't got enough faith to walk on water and so you're just stuck and god's saying to you just get in immerse yourself don't strive just enjoy yourself number 2 women said they hadn't communicated with each other beforehand i saw you in a desert you're walking in the desert you're really thirsty And you don't know where to get a drink. And God's just shown me you've got like a camel's hump on your back. And it's full of water. But you just haven't learned how to drink the drink that is within you. And then the third woman said, I see you in the cold place. You feel lonely, feel on the outside. You don't know what to do. And um, somebody comes to you. And they put a big blanket around you. And they give you a hot cup of tea. And they say, just wait. Rest. It's going to be okay. And... um, She was, you know, my friend, she just said, my mind's blown. Because God's spoken to me about the things I'm thinking about through these people. And I don't know if I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But I believe that I've been met in the place that I'm at by God. And that is something of the mystery of the power of the resurrection. That we're invited to partner with but we don't fully understand it. We're invited to just welcome his spirit, start with peace, build on it, go where he sends you and you'll find your purpose starts to shape itself around those things. And the more that we surrender to the power of God, the more we will see the resurrected Jesus in our midst. And um, he has got the whole world in his hands and we, we need to see the resurrected Jesus, don't we, in his hands. So, just going to end with a little quote that I think it brilliantly puts it uh, by a guy called David Needham who wrote an amazing book called Birthright and he said this because of the new covenant the early Christian men and women were alive as no humans had been alive before they were a new species they were not of this world and they knew it and with their own personal identity and life course locked in, they saw a world that desperately needed to see Jesus in the flesh, their flesh, and they went out to live. And that's what the resurrection power of Jesus is all about because the resurrection power of Jesus is in, supposed to be inside you. You are Jesus to the world. And I just want to end with a prayer, and I, I wonder if um, we could just do something there's three things I feel like God wants to give us gifts, peace, purpose, and power. I just want to quickly pray through each one of them. And if you feel like peace is something that is elusive for you, or that you have, um, you've struggled with that area and you just want to have the peace of God. I mean, most of us want to have the peace of God. Mo- many of us are facing things that do not make for peace <laughs> in our lives. Maybe it's family situations and difficulties. And we know that if we just had peace, we might have some more clarity. And I think actually that's true, scientifically true. The more at peace you are, the more your brain works better. So I'm just going to invite people who want to have that gift of peace renewed in their life today to stand up. And I'm going to pray. And then we're going to pray for purpose. And we're going to pray for the power of God, which I think we all need. So do stand with me. And I'm just going to pray. If you feel like, oh, I'm hungry for that peace, that is something I want. I want to embody it. <laughs> so yeah just put your hands out if you're comfortable doing that and and if you haven't been able to stand that's fine too put your hands out and let's just pray shall we you know there's no resistance from God none whatsoever don't have to do anything as you are Jesus breathes on you and says peace receive my peace and so we we just stand here God asking for you to do what you can do I cannot do it. I cannot conjure up peace yeah. with any words. But I pray that the peace of God would fall in this room right now. Yeah. I pray, That's Holy spiritual. Spirit, come. Mm. Breathe yeah, your, peace. your life and your peace. The peace of Jesus. And sometimes the peace of God actually is almost oh. like a, weirdly, a spiritual weapon. And the enemy is... You know, we have an enemy of our souls who wants to absolutely lock us away in anxiety. But the peace of God is part of the armour. And Paul was describing it as shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. So I pray, dear God, now that your peace would come like an armour and would settle on people and although the external circumstances of their lives are not going to change not immediately but that your peace is going to be carried by them so that gradually imperceptibly sometimes the peace will leak out from them they'll carry themselves in a different way i just pray over minds that have been really locked in anxiety I just declare the peace of God. Jesus is at peace with you. Peace be to you. May these minds calm down. Receive the peace of God. May adrenaline calm down. Come, Holy Spirit. We look to you. Thank you, God. Receive his peace. And if you... Stay standing if you want to, if you you feel like, actually, I need to know my purpose. I need to build a purpose that is not just my job. Then just join the people that are standing. I'm going to pray that for you as well. I pray that, Lord Jesus, I thank you that we're called according to your purposes, the Bible says. We're called people. And there are people here who are not quite sure. They're aimless. They haven't quite discovered that sense of purpose in their lives. Mm. And you are a called person, called according to the purposes of God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to show and reveal your purposes in every life. I pray for breakthrough, Mm. where there are people who have been wandering around in circles, wondering how to know what I'm supposed to be doing. I pray for breakthrough this week. I pray, dear God, that you'd have some encounters with people that are in this room, where they, are, they begin to see with some clarity the purposes that you have got for their lives. I feel like God's going to reveal that to some people who have felt like they've invested in their work life and it's such a good thing to do, but you kind of need to know that there's a deeper crafting to your purpose. I pray that it be revealed to you. I pray for a release of um, prophetic gifting in this group group of people. I pray that that I call that gift to the forefront, actually, to be something that you use as you work and as you interact with people so that the purposes of God are worked out through you as you prophesy. And sometimes it's going to be so subtle. People, like Rebecca was saying, aren't going to know you're prophesying. Mm -hmm. And we do pray, Jesus, for the power of your kingdom, your resurrected body, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We pray let your power come Mm. and just move immovable things. Locked doors. We just prophesy Mm. the unlocking of some locked Mm. doors in people's lives. Let your power come to unlock Mm. these doors Mm. and even just to move through the locked doors so they might remain locked, but you somehow are able to reach into unreachable places. Mm. And there's some people in the room, I think, who are called to reach unreachable people. And if you Mm. feel that's something that you know, you sense that's on you, then I just encourage you to come up and pray with the team at the front as the worship goes on. But I just feel like there are some people called to get beyond locked doors Mm. and to carry the power of God and the peace of God and the purposes of God into unreachable places.